Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this week's um, episode of the Church and Culture Podcast. I am Alexis, and today I'm going to be speaking with Dr. James Emery White to examine this ever-increasing exodus of Americans from physical church gatherings. And we're going to take a look at where are they going instead? Because the truth is that they're not simply just walking away from church altogether. They're just looking for a church-like experience elsewhere. So sometimes that's online, but oftentimes it's recreating a church atmosphere in an exercise group or a book club or within one's own you know, group of friends or family. So today we're going to discuss the balance between adapting the church in a healthy way to complement our ever-changing culture um, and our needs, but then also what the church cannot surrender and still be called a biblical church. Okay. So Jim, can you start off? I know there's like a kind of like a state of the union address. Can you give us like a sort of state of the church um, explanation of kind of where well, we are? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, particularly I, post-COVID. Right? Yes, exactly. Right. Yes, post-COVID. right. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> it, uh, um, most churches, if not all, uh, but most churches suffered financially during the pandemic. Uh, I think all of them suffered in terms of attendance and dropped precipitously. Uh, they thought that when they returned to in-person services, everything would just return right to where it was, and it didn't. Uh, most churches, the vast majority, are running 60 70% of what they were pre-pandemic. Some aren't even doing that. So, um, uh, yeah, so it, 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 it's, it's not a, a good situation for, for um, most churches. And when you talk about most churches, do most churches have like an online presence in which people, when you're talking about attendance being down, are you talking about just physical attendance or are you talking about a church? I mean, could those people just be attending like an online service instead, or maybe right. they're coming back in a, a few months, you know, if things seem to get a little bit better? You know, I, I, I don't mean to be um, kind of a doom and gloom person, but I also think facts are our friends and, and, and I have the opportunity of speaking often to groups of pastors. And, and uh, let me just go ahead and say, if they're not back by now, they're not coming back. I mean, it's been, I mean, a long time since churches have reopened. And uh, we were closed longer than most, but it's been a long time for us. And so you have a sense of if you've been open a year, year and a half, two years since a lockdown, um, and they haven't returned, I don't know what you think is going to change. I mean, the vaccines have been out. People who wanted them have got them. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those things where I think this is just where you need to be. I do think, um, or where you need to assess your state. I do think that um, the online presence, I mean, obviously skyrocketed for all churches during when they were closed, but uh, most churches didn't maintain a robust online presence when they reopened. In fact, they were, I've heard many pastors say they just couldn't wait to get offline, which was tragic and, and a huge mistake. Um, but those that had a robust online presence prior to this uh, and maintained it uh, did better. And uh, if you really have, and, and again, this isn't the focus of this particular um, thing, but if you really had an online campus and you really were working through that with engagement, maybe we can talk about this a little bit more later, but um, uh, you, you did pretty well, I think, and you may have even uh, grown during it, and you may still have a lot of your people, they're just online. So if COVID fears really aren't the driving factor then of the lower attendance, do you think it's because people have found that it's simply a response to 
physical in-person gatherings that like, they're just not convenient anymore, or they're just not preferred, or are people just deciding that church gatherings in general, whether in-person or online are no longer important or perhaps relevant? Both. I think both. It's a combination. I think you're finding people who are who found that they really liked attending online. They really enjoyed an online experience. For them, it was more convenient and it was a little more intimate even. And and um, I heard from many, many people that uh, they just prefer, for example, at Mac, our online campus, and they didn't realize how much they enjoyed it, um, whereas other people couldn't wait to return. But you also had an, to in person, but you also had a lot of people that just drifted. And, and let's, let's be clear, uh, church attendance was in decline across the West and uh, pre, uh, before pandemic. And so it was already in decline. So the pandemic just accelerated it. And so the people that were on the edges and the periphery, I mean, it just gave them permission to get out of the habit, permission to kind of, you know, go ahead and do their final drift off. And so you, you just had that um, uh, declining attendance and people on the edges, it just got accelerated through COVID. And so that's why um, what I would say is what you have right now online and what you have in person is what you have. Don't wait for some great big sudden return that uh, right now they're not online and they're not in person, but they used to be a part of your church. I don't think they're returning. So if this trend had started before COVID, what was behind it at that point? Why are people walking away from the church? Why are they not going there? Yeah, well, the, broad, the broadest answer is that there were two things in motion, uh, one in particular, and that is that we're in a post-Christian world. Uh, we have transitioned from a Christian to a post-Christian world. And when I have written in the past about the rise of the nuns, the, the uh, religiously unaffiliated, this is what you have. You have the decline of, of, um, of that in, in the West. And, um, and then when you also have a digital revolution coinciding with that, which means that people are going to be more prone to do things online anyway, uh, the idea of going to an in-person bricks and mortar uh, religious event uh, in a secular culture that is in a, in a digital in nature is going to be a hard sell for people. What's been interesting is just kind of being along this journey with you with church and culture, I've heard you talk to many people in ministry, kind of how to respond to this trend. And it's, I'm, I'm, painting with a broad stroke here, but I feel like most of the times I'm hearing people kind of land in one of two camps. There's those who are kind of desperately clinging on to the church as she used to be, um, really big advocates of bringing her back to float. You know, if she's a sinking ship, it doesn't have to be that way. We can bring her back to the glory days before when, you know, attendance was was robust and healthy and in-person gatherings were the thing. Um, and then I think there's some on the other side who are like, you know what, you're absolutely right. Like the church, you know, is we're never going back to the way we were before. You know, it, it, the church as a centralized institution um, is dead. So now it's time to move on. It's time to recreate the church-like experience in new and innovative ways. And we don't need to cling to the traditional model of before. We need to do something completely different. I feel like you have a very unique voice in this area because you seem to be um, to be a trailblazer in the way that you aren't really landing in either one of those camps. You seem to be somewhere in the middle. Can you share a little bit of, of where you find yourself? Yeah. In fact, uh, as you know, uh, the title of my next book that's coming out is called The Hybrid Church. And that's what I believe really is the future of the church, a hybrid model. Um, <clears throat> let me go back and, and give a little bit of history so you can kind of know where I'm at with this since you're asking me about it personally as a church leader. Um, and back in 2019, uh, we made a massive decision, a massive shift in, 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 uh, through a set of decisions where we went, closed down all of our sites except one, 
and we basically left the multi-site model. And um, I blogged on this and written on this, and we can put that in the show notes if people want more information about that decision. We did that in 2019. And, and the whole reason was, was because we sensed um, that the world was moving away from bricks and mortar models and to a digital model, a digital revolution was taking place. And so uh, the whole idea of the multi-site model was to break down geographic barriers by putting sites so it's easier for people to go, this mythical 20 minute kind of drive time and uh, make it easier for people to invite their friends. Well, um, it turns out the, the barriers weren't geographic, they were digital. Uh, in nature. And so people weren't trying to, we didn't need to make a bricks and mortar model more convenient because they were going to check us out online first anyway. And then if you did engage them online, then, you know, they'll be happy to drive anywhere within a reasonable distance. And so we just found that what it was trying to solve was not the issue anymore. So we wanted to take all that effort, and those resources and those hours and that and everything and put it into all things digital. And, and to reach people digitally and do more digital marketing and put more into our online campus and all of these different kinds of things. And uh, anyway, without chasing that more, we are so glad that we did. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how many times throughout the beginning of 2020 and forward, we just said, oh, you know, we're looking smarter than we were I mean, because we know nobody saw COVID coming, but we were so glad because we had this robust online presence, this online campus, fully staffed as a campus and treated like a campus and engaging people. And we already were putting so much online in terms of the Institute and student ministry and children's ministry. And it was just, you know, and our online numbers just skyrocketed. And uh, we actually ended up growing uh, during the last three years. We, we've had our best growth spurt ever in the history of the church uh, from 2020 on, from 2019 on, from closing the sites, going, going online, all of it. We've just, just it's been crazy. Um, and, um, and our online campus is still by far our largest campus and our largest attended campus. And so we actually lost as a church very few people. Um, and uh, we gained uh, just thousands, quite frankly. And, um, and so when so that hybrid model is is what I would push for, which is that it's physical and digital, that the church is where we've got an online campus, and we've got an in person campus, we, we offer things both in person and digitally, we, we, we have this hybrid of bringing the two together, not having just one or just the other, but a hybrid model. And um, that's working very well for us. Now, I imagine in making that shift, a lot of kind of theological questions had to come to the table because I imagine as you're moving from how the church has traditionally met, th met throughout history in a physical space and trying to translate that to an online experience, um, nodding your head to just a, a, a creative and new way to reach people, but then still clinging to how you would define church. I'm sure there was, I don't know, a little tension there of trying to think through what do you need to maintain as you're moving from physical to digital and where is there more creative freedom yeah and i think that's another podcast because that's a huge conversation to get into and there i don't have a pithy answer because it's there's so much that is uh important to uh think about theologically in terms of the doctrine of the church but also other theological matters in terms of online versus in person and what can be offered digitally and physically and so um i, I think that if you do give it clear thinking that uh, the knee-jerk reaction is you can't do church online. The more you, I think, you carefully think about it theologically, uh, there's a heck of a lot that you can, if not the vast majority, if not almost all of it. Yeah, I think what we can chase here, though, is the, the whole idea that 
what you decided to do was take a physical church kind of gathering and move it, maintaining a lot of its same characteristics, but in a, in a digital way. But what the, what you did not do was say, okay, well, let's just take church like experiences and then bring them to your home and you can meet at home or um, you could do this in your, you know, book club, or let's take, you know, churchy kind of things and bring them to the a secular world in a way that resembles a new kind of church. That was not like the move that you, that you landed with. No, in fact, let me, let me go ahead and, and, and chase something here uh, about the church. Um, and that is, uh, I, I, let's talk about the doctrine of, 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 you know, of, of the church, ecclesiology. Um, evangelicals, particularly evangelical Christians, are notoriously awful when it comes to this doctrine of the church. They have a very terrible, weak, flawed theology of the church. In fact, they don't reflect theological in the church at all. It's almost as if the church is some man-made construct. They, can, they might have to think carefully about the doctrine of Christ or soteriology or something about end times or something like this. But when it comes to the church, it's like, oh, no, no, church is whatever I want it to be. Church is whatever I, I want, it, I, I, I feel like it should be. And it's some plastic, malleable thing. And it's, it's, simply, it's simply not. I, I find that, that Christians tend to do one of two things. They either totally devalue the idea of the church uh, devalue the doctrine, devalue everything about it, or uh, like it's not important, or they shape it into their own image, anything they want. And it's 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 gotten us into a lot of trouble. And that's one of the things that I really wanted to talk about with this. Yeah. So let's talk about when you're talking about making it into their own image, because that is a part of this conversation, I think, is we've moved, you know, online or people are not going to physical gatherings. It's not just that they're like, you know what, I don't need church anymore, but there is something about it that they're trying to reinvent elsewhere. Um, and so what are some ways in which we're maybe trying to create church in our own image in a way that doesn't respect ecclesiology, church ecclesiology? Well, yeah, there's there's a couple of ways to answer that. One is, is where you start calling anything and everything church you know, my family is my church, so I'm going to home church, or my my small group Bible study is the church, or my men's group, or my this fitness group that I'm a part of that meets and prays, and then we work out together is my church or the church. Um, no, they're not. Uh, that's part of the the, the very weak uh, ecclesiology uh, that they're having. Um, what they're searching for is they're trying to find something for community. They're trying to find a way to incorporate service. They're trying to find meaning. They're maybe trying to find some sense of the transcendent. I mean, or, but more, more what I find is that people, for whatever reason, and um, want to reject uh, classical, historic, orthodox understandings of church, and they want to give into raw individualism and create church in their own image in something that they feel that they want it to be. And then they slap the name church on it in a spiritualized way, as if they really are fulfilling the biblical mandate of what it means to be a church. And, um, and many times it's, it's falling into, uh, I mean, you got to call it what it is. The opposite of orthodoxy is heresy. Hmm. Okay. So then I guess in that line of thinking, how then do you know when you do have the church? I mean, what, what, what elements need to be in place for you to say, yes, you know, yes, I, you can put the name church on that because it's not yeah. a physical building anymore. I mean, we, we've realized that. No, but it, it is a, uh, no, but um, there are five things that I've taught my theology students for years um, that, how do you know when you have the church and you got to, you got to have biblically, theologically, these five things, if you're going to call something um the church. Okay. The first is obviously community. Um, this is, this is a, you're not, and when I say community, 
I mean, male, female, old, young, black, white. I mean, you you have you have um, uh, you don't have like a just a segment of it, like all white people who are twenty somethings. That's not the church. The church has is a gathered community that is not segmented, and it's a community that is defined. It has set entry points and exit points. And you know, the Apostle Paul says, "I don't tolerate this person for living the sexually immoral life." they need to, you need to remove them from the church. Um, and so there's this defined order where there are exit and entry point. I mean, it's a defined community. Mm -hmm. Second, um, it's a, it's confessional. The second C is, is confession. It's where the word of God is rightly taught. It's where the word of God is proclaimed. It's where there is a, there is a confession that is undergirding it, um, in terms of what it is about. Uh, a third dynamic is corporate. And some people might say, oh, I don't, I don't like the idea of a corporate dynamic to the church. Well, you have to, because it's in the New Testament. Um, corporate meaning that it has leaders, it has pastors, um, and um, you have the spiritual gifts of leadership and other things that are to be used and implemented in teaching, which is to be implemented in the life of the church. And so there was, a, in the New Testament, you had leadership of the church and the corporate dynamic determining what money could be sent from one church to another church and things of that nature. So there was a, there was a corporate dynamic um, that was there in terms of both leadership and order and structure. And biblically, that involved that there needed to be pastors, um, there needed to, there was, uh, and leaders and the use of the spiritual gifts and all put into full play. Uh, a fourth dynamic, fourth C is celebration. Uh, meaning that there is some aspect of corporate worship that is involved. Um, again, whether online or in person, we can get into all that in future podcasts in terms of all that. But I mean, there is a corporate worship, a gathering together uh, with communal worship. And not just, and, and that also includes the stewarding of the sacraments, specifically baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, baptism and the Lord's Supper don't belong to individuals. They belong to the church. And they're under the stewardship of the church and under the leadership of the pastors. And so, so you can't like go home and just say, hey, family, let's take the Lord's Supper. That would be a violation of the sacrament. Uh, and so, um, or, you know, hey, I want to baptize my child in, in, in my swimming pool and just kind of remove the church from it or that corporate um, celebrative sense where the church stewards the sacraments. That's, that's biblical. In fact, it's interesting. One of the key uh, ways of, of uh, church discipline being exercised over the centuries um, is the refusal to give the Lord's Supper to those who are living in sin and refusing to repent. And so that, that's, again, it's, it, was, it was owned by the church. It was stewarded by the church. And, um, and then uh, the fifth C is cause, that you have the Great Commission being pursued, not just some narrow slice of the cause, but the cause, turning irreligious people into fully devoted followers of Christ through the local church, and the great commission that he gave us and that Christ gave us. And then on top of that, also the call to serve the poor. And so um, if you're the church, you're not only uh, having the mission of reaching the unchurched, but you're also uh, actively engaged in serving the homeless and the poor, the widow, the orphan. So when you have, you got to have at least those five things to be called in the New Testament sense, the church. And so you see how, how um, some of the ways we use the word, you know, my, my aerobics class as a church is, is, is not simply comical, it's shameful. And it's so um, to, to what Christ died to create. 
And it, it seems like when people are saying that, like, this is my church of those elements that you just um, um, detailed, it seems like people are really referring to like community and maybe, maybe they're raising a, you know, an offering for somebody or not an offering, maybe like a fundraiser for somebody in their group or something like that. Or maybe, you know, if it's like a Christian group, maybe there's, they're doing a devotional or they're, they're trying to pull in some elements of it, but it does seem to point to, as you mentioned, like a, a narrower thinking of what the theology of the church really is to think that you could just take or cherry pick those couple of elements and then call something. This is the church because we're incorporating some of the experiences into it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not that there's not a place for things, but uh, like, you know, parachurch groups and things of that nature that may have a narrow niche. Um, I just, just don't call them the church and, and also understand the primacy of the church. Uh, one of the things that you'll find is that there is no ministry in the new Testament that was outside of at least the umbrella of the church. It didn't exist. Um, and so the, the, the primacy of, of the New Testament understanding of church is just lost on so many because in the name of individualism, it's like, like I'm claiming this and I'm gonna have church be whatever I want it to be and I'm gonna make it whatever I want it to be and I'm gonna call it church and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna lambast the, the existing churches because whatever I'm doing is better and purer. And, and it's, just, it's just, we need to come to our, our, our theological senses. <laughs> and, 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 and let me say this, there is no perfect church. I mean, I, you know, we we've have talked about it. We'll talk about it again about how churches, um, people have been burned by churches. There have been toxic church leadership. There's been colossal moral failures among, you know, pastors and other things. And we've done podcasts on that. But that doesn't have anything to do with the church biblically and theologically and our call to be a part of one and how you can't even really fulfill the Christ life apart from uh, the Christian community is detailed under the definition of a church, the one another's and so many other things you can, I mean, even your spiritual gift is meant to be given to the church service for the church, uh, the body of Christ and the body of Christ is the church. It's a locus of his ministry. You can't, there's no such thing biblically as an unchurched Christian. Um, and it, it's kind of like um, someone saying, pointing to a hypocrite and saying, well, I don't, I don't want anything to do with uh, Christianity because of a hypocrite. Uh, they point to a bad church and they say, or a toxic church or the, a negative church experience or some way the church failed them or disappointed them. Well, I don't want anything to do with church. Well, no, just like a hypocrite doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. <laughs> you know, um, uh, a poor experience uh, or disappointment with the church doesn't have anything to do with the theological primacy and importance in, of, and the necessity of your involvement in church. So, um, yeah, I feel like I went on a little bit of a rant there, but I, I, I'm a jealous defender. Sure. And, and I've always felt, and I felt this way for decades, that the ecclesiology of Christians is uh, just can be maddening at times. I'll, I'll one little anecdote. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, years ago, uh, when I was, um, when I had a, a brief stint where I was president of a seminary, um, I met with an executive of a Fortune 500 company, and uh, who was a Christian, and he was interested in, in potentially making some investments in theological education. I wasn't quite sure what we're going to meet about. But I remember when I went to his office, he was boasting. He just kind of boasting about, you know, just how they've got chaplains there at this company and the small group studies and, and that, you know, they even had some mission trips that they took overseas and all the stuff that they were, they were involved in. And he said, and, uh, and I asked him where he went to church and he's, he didn't go anywhere. 
And he said, but it doesn't matter because after all, we're the church. This is the church. Everything's the church. So this is the church. So I'm in, you know, and I just said, no, you know, everything inside me just went, no, you know, you're not the church, <laughs> you know, a for-profit company traded on the stock market whose goal is to make, and this particular person was some kind of beverage company, carbonated water is not the church. I'm glad you're doing some of these things, but you don't even come close to fulfilling biblically what the church is. And you're patting yourself on the back as some kind of spiritually prideful way that you're almost better than the church. And I, I just, I, I just, I mean, we need to stand up against this more often and help people understand the beauty of the church. When Jesus said, I have come to build my church. I mean, let's take him at face value. He came to build his church. That's what he unleashed on the world. And so Satan's going to have a field day wanting to change the definition of what it was Jesus came to build and establish and unleash. And he's having a lot of success with American evangelicals by watering it down. Because if, if church means everything, then it means nothing. Sure. Well, what can get so tricky about this is that I think people can, they take their experiences and they say, you know what, in my small group, like I'm really growing close to God. Like I am, I've experienced him and I haven't been to, you know, regular church service, you know, gathering in months or years. And so they can just find this is working for me. Like I'm, I'm growing close to God. I'm, I'm becoming more like Jesus through and through these other um, avenues. And so they just think that, okay, I've just I, I can just recreate essentially that the, the church as the institution is no longer needed. I can do this elsewhere and I am doing it. Um, but what you're, but you, what you seem to, to suggest. And when they say that they're just making that up. Oh, I mean, we need to call, we need to call that out. If somebody says that I'm saying, you realize that what you just said was almost gibberish. I'm delighted you're growing through that, but to call it the church is ridiculous or to say that just because it's serving you, you have the right to reject the church. I mean, you're rejecting Jesus. Jesus called you into the church. The New Testament, the apostolic authority says you are to be in a church as defined what biblically why what a church is. And you're to go there with a towel over your arm. You're to support it financially. You're to take your spiritual gift, put it into play through it. Um, you are to um, um, submit to its leaders and submit to godly teaching and, and the person, people who have the teaching gift. And, the, and that's why they're there. They are to teach the church. And so you just submit yourself to those with the teaching gift and to those and on and on it goes. And it's not about, but I have this little boutique thing over here that serves, I'm delighted, keep doing it. But that doesn't uh, remove you from the obligation and responsibility to be a part of a local church and to um, uh, submit yourself to that in the way that we're all to submit ourselves to it collectively. It's so interesting because I was going to ask you, you know, to break down the difference between it's one thing for a Christian to leave a physical church and then make something else a church as as compared to an unchurched person who's trying to make an experience, a church experience for themselves. And so I was thinking of maybe maybe the motives are very different. But after hearing you talk, you talk, I kind of think that maybe they're really not like maybe it really is just the individualism that you pointed to of it's easier when you're creating something from scratch to only put in in the elements that sound appealing to you and leave out, leave out the financial part, you know, leave out the accountability part, leave out the serving people in ways that I don't want to kind of part. Cause it, I don't know, would you agree? Like, do you think that there, it, it really is more complicated than that? Well, I do think that there are people, let's talk about people who are not Christians, um, who, uh, they, 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 I think they are many of them. You do see them trying to recreate something churchy, whether it's their yoga class something that's kind of spiritual, kind of has some kind of esoteric feel to it, something transcendent. 
um, or they're trying to, through the, an exercise class, build community, or even, hey guys, we're all meeting here at 9.30 in the mornings to do this. Maybe we can go through a book together. Or how about, uh, hey, I've got this friend over here who needs, who's in the hospital. Maybe we can all raise money for them. And so you, you kind of start looking for ways to, for service or for community or for meaning or for transcendence. And that's no surprise because as Augustine said, you know, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee or Pascal's, you know, we all have a God-shaped hole and can only be filled by God. Um, and more directly from the scriptures, we're all made in the image of God. And so therefore we have this, this sense where we're not, we yearn, we're spiritual, we're incurably spiritual creatures. And so the fact that we would try to almost recreate some of these things outside of, you know, faith or church is not surprising. It's how we're wired up. But for the Christian, um, the New Testament uh, call, admonition, challenge, charge, order to be a part of a church and to work and serve for the cause of Christ through it and to build the church and to invite others into that new community is, is inescapable. Hmm. Well, I guess let's end with this question because we're running out of time. But so I think it's fair to say, though, that, you know, part of the difficulty of this is that people are who've left the church are looking back and they're like, you don't know like the 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 horrors of the church that I just left. Like if the church was how you are describing and, you know, those elements that it should be, I wouldn't have left the church, mm -hmm. but the church is not being those things, which has led me elsewhere. And so kind of what would your response be to that? Like, where does the church need to be the church in ways that it's not being the church? Like sure. what is the church's role in the, in this Exodus? Uh, listen, I, I, I'm the first to admit that there's some, there's toxic leaders, there's immoral leaders. There are, terribly dysfunctional churches that have a trail of bodies behind them, uh, leaders that have a trails of bodies behind them that never should have been in leadership to begin with. Um, and these are, these are classic. And, and so uh, churches full of sinners, sinners sin, there's going to be, you know, even, even the best churches, the most biblically functioning communities around are messy because you got people and, 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 and people are messy. And you can be a healthy church and have two people that attend there that both love Jesus, but man, their personalities are just allergic to each other. And it's just, ah, you know, it's just, but that's what Jesus meant. He's calling us together to work it out, to be, to let love transcend things and grace transcend things and practice. He gave us Matthew 18, 15, because he knew we'd need it. You know, I mean, we, we would need to be reconciling with each other and solving conflict resolution. So it's not if there's conflict, but how you solve it. So. I would say that when there really is a, a leader or a church that's just so deeply dysfunctional and and uh, and quite honestly, those are rare. They they really are rare. They're really kind of like horror stories. Not the horror stories, but the, the, that are just systemically just so dysfunctional that you almost can't even call them a church. Yeah, flee those. But that doesn't mean you flee the church or flee Jesus or flee God. You just flee that, and 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 find one that's a little healthier. But do understand this, and this is critical, Alexis. Don't just nitpick the lint off of the navel of your church hmm. where, you know, every little thing is like, you're going to take offense. You're going to be wounded, or you're going to read suspicion into it, or you're going to think the worst, or the cup is always half full instead of half empty, or you're always, you're just always walking around discontent or focusing on what's not, or where you were disappointed or where something didn't quite meet your expectations or, or gosh, that last series wasn't that great or whatever. And, and you just, you're just you're just so hard on it to where, and so no church could stand up under that kind of, uh, of, uh, evaluation where you're, you're not even allowing people to be people, you know, a church to be 
full of human beings mm-hmm. uh, that may be trying really hard to do, and they're doing a lot of good stuff. But man, if you just want, you go to any church in the world, and if you go in with the lenses of, I'm going to try to find what's not perfect, uh, goodness, uh, you know, you will never find a church home. And that, but that's not the way to approach it. The approach is we're all sin stained, struggling people. And uh, we're going to try to together put grace and love and forgiveness forward. And we're going to try to work out community in the midst of sin and conflict. Um, and we're going to um, uh, invite the Holy Spirit into our midst. And we're going to be on mission. And I think the more we're on mission, the less we're concerned about our differences because we're not having this misplaced missional energy being spent on ticky-tack tertiary interpersonal issues or disappointments. And so um, I, I think we, if you bring narcissism into the church, which is where it's all about me, mm-hmm. uh, then you're going to be, you're never going to find a church home. Mm. I feel like this is, this has been such a great conversation. And I think too, just really challenging for um, Christians to listen to and, and, and how we, how our posture is shaped in, in how we view the church. Like, as you were mentioning, if, if we're looking, if we're nitpicking things and using them as ammunition or an excuse to do something else or to leave or to create your own experience, um, that's where it gets, it, it gets dark. But when we're looking at areas of need with the desire to then, you know, pull up our sleeves and, and get involved and be the answer to the prayers that we're saying, then gosh, I mean, just the vision of, how you've described what the church really could be, um, is really something quite beautiful and something that I think, yeah, we would all love to be a part of. So thank you, Jim. Um, this was a lot. I feel like, again, there's a lot that we didn't get to talk about that hopefully we'll address in another podcast, but, um, if you want to listen to more, then hopefully you'll join us again next week, um, or in the weeks to come, but thank you for giving us some of your time today. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this week's installment of the Church and Culture Podcast with Dr. James White. We hope it was not only informative, but challenging and the start to an ongoing conversation. To stay up to date with all the latest, check out the daily headline news and subscribe to the Church and Culture blog, all found at churchandculture.org. You can even keep up with Jim by following him on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at James Emery White. We hope you'll join us next week. Goodbye for now.